0: hey welcome to the faith nfm podcast we appreciate your time today and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation as well as links to all that's happening around faith assembly our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey my grandfather uh, was a pretty strict, disciplined individual to pretty, pretty extreme ways. Uh, my father, I remember him telling me this story about his brother who went away to college, my uncle, and, and he came back one summer at college. And when he came back, he grew out facial hair. And uh, my, my grandfather, being a very old school kind of individual, it was either his highway or, you know, it's his way or the highway, right? Like that's the kind of guy he was. And so my uncle came back, full grizzly beard and, and he comes back and, and my grandfather looks at him and says, where do you plan on staying this summer? Like it was that extreme. Like that, that and so I, I remember my, my grandfather, this, this very uh, man who was very consistent over his rules, his way, I remember when I was nine years old he was feeble and he was sitting in his recliner and and we knew that his time was going to be short and I I remember I walked into the living room and I had this brand new University of Cincinnati baseball hat I was nine my father just bought it for me it was sweet I loved it and I remember walking into the living room opening the door, putting our bags down, visiting grandparents, excited for it. And his very first words were, son, you need to get that ball cap off in my house. And I remember being like, whoa, this guy is consistent with his rules. And I always look back in that memory and look back in that time with him and reflect on that and just how it was his way or the highway He was consistent in what he believed, what he practiced, what he was known for. I mean, it was a little extreme, especially now, this day and age. I walk through my house every day. I throw on a hat and I say, this one's for you, Grandpa. You know, like that's where I was at. But he was consistent. And you knew where you stood with him. Today, I titled this message, The Consistency Signature. On the count of three, everybody say as loud as you possibly can the word consistency. One, two, three, consistency, consistency. When it comes to following and being someone of God uh, who has called you to do what only you can do and, and placed you in a place where only you are placed in your community, with your work, whatever the case might be, there comes a level of consistency we need to step into. Last week during team day, we talked about being a fan and, and going from being a fan to then the sideline and then, and then take, taking, taking that chance when the coach calls our name and then becoming the player. And when we become the player, it's not just good to get in the game one time, but it's how do I remain in the game? How do I do what God has called me to do? How do I remain consistent in a terribly inconsistent world? Like you think about it, you don't know what, if today, if what a boy is, what a girl is, like the world throws some things at you and you're scratching your head and it's like the goalposts are always changing and shifting, And the world thinks, and and culture and society say, hey, we can just kind of switch things up. And what God says is this. you, You need to have consistency in your life. Your character, consistent in your life. The way you treat people, consistent in life. But getting and being consistent doesn't just happen. It's hard. It takes time. In Galatians chapter 6, this man by the name of Paul, he puts it this way. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let us not get tired is what Paul says. Let us not give up being consistent. But how many of us know that it's tiring being consistent? good a lot of the times it's tiring saying no when we need to say no it's tiring when when we have to make the hard decisions it's tiring but Paul encourages us hey don't be tired don't give up hang in there be consistent Galatians 6 10 continues when Paul puts therefore whenever we have opportunity opportunity Circle that word, highlight that word, underline that word. Whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, not our favorites, not people we accept by physical appearance, but to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If there's one big idea that I, I want you to grab today is this. Your consistency is the signature of your faith. Your, sig- your, your signature, your consistency, the way you lead your life. People, when they study throughout the, the handwriting, signatures, they, they would look back in, in, in the authors and text in the Bible, and, and they would look how someone writes, and they would look at their signatures, and, and they would find common themes to affirm and confirm that that person not only wrote this, but this person also wrote that, and they would overlap the text and when the handwriting would occur, they would say, oh, this person confirm, is confirmed. This person wrote this. They would study the signature to say, hey, that person really was all about this. That person wrote about this. We see when it comes back when we study the scriptures where it's like, yeah, we can tell by the themes that they wrote. So if I asked you today, if someone was studying your signature, your life, would they find Consistency would they say, hey, that person is the same kind of person that says they love Jesus, so they live like Jesus? Is that the same kind of person that's like, hey, they love their family, so they treat their family well? The consistency signature is how you're marked in your life. How you continue to, uh, to live and please and serve God, it's consistent. See, God God doesn't call us to a a moment of faithfulness. God calls us to a lifetime of faithfulness. It's just not a a one-hit wonder that that makes us great. It's not a one-hit wonder that establishes our life, but it's being consistent one step at a time. Because, see, what you're consistent about shows what you're about. What you're consistent about shows what you're about. If you're consistently uh, an individual that uh, is mean, rude, critical, people are going to call you a jerk, right? If you're consistent about someone that's always checking the bank account, working extra, extra hours, neglecting the family, what are they going to say? You're a workaholic. If you're that person on that dating app and you're always swiping right and getting a lot of left swiped on you and you're opening every app and everything and, and you're like trying to meet mr. or mrs. perfect what are they going to say you're a little love drunk looking for a number one looking for that person in your life you need to kind of take a step back Let's, your consistency marks your life when you look at some of the greats throughout history now some of you might kind of go oh man when i mentioned his name by the name of tom brady Right, Tom Brady, phenomenal athlete. You know why he's so good and known as the goat when it comes to football? Because he won seven Super Bowls. I don't like the Patriots. Not a huge Tom Brady guy. But what you can respect is he was great because it was consistent. Or let's take you know Apple, right? Apple—they're not just known for uh, creating one product. They're created for being consistent in their products. We're on Apple iPhone number 15, for goodness sakes. Why? Because long-tenured, long-standing routine and consistency makes the company great, makes their product great. So if you're rocking an Android today, I'm sorry, like iPhone church, like get with the ball game, you know, like kind of lean into that a little bit. Or you think about great bands and great singers. have any like Taylor Swifties, I guess, are they like knowing about like, woo, Taylor. You know what makes Taylor Swift or, or bands like U2 so great? Isn't because they are one hit wonder or sing well just one time. They're consistent every step of the way. Church, we live in a day and age now more than ever that we need to be called, we need to own our consistency because our our signature is defined and evaluated by how consistent we live our lives. It's not just a, I'm I'm, I'm serving God for for 24 hours. It's not just I'm living for God one week or even one month. It's, It's a consistent lifestyle that people glean to, people notice, people say there's something different about them and being consistent isn't, easy see what you're consistent about shows what you're about so I'm going to take you to Joshua chapter 14 we're going to be spending the majority of our time looking at this individual's life and and looking at this man by the name of Caleb now to get kind of an an understanding a, a kind of viewpoint of it is is Caleb was a consistent individual he was a, a, a man who uh, did and saw things the way God wanted him to do and, and, and see things. Caleb was this, this leader. Caleb was this guy who, when, when God said, go forth, he goes. He was consistent in and, and the way that God revealed and, and took him to the next step. So we're going to pull some observations. Join me. Joshua chapter 14, verse 7. We're talking about Caleb. Caleb. And this is him coming back to what is promised in some of his latter years of life. In Joshua 14, 7, Caleb has this conversation with a man by the name of Joshua. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land, for my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord, my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking, will be your grant of land, and that your descent and your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Now let me just pause right there and give us a little insight, backstory to what's taking place. God calls his people, the Israelites, to go into this land known as the promised land. He says, hey, you need to conquer it. You need to defeat it. There's some people in there that aren't pleasing to God. And so what happens is Moses, the leader of the Israelites, what Caleb is reflecting on, sends 12 individuals. And he sends his 12 individuals into this promised land. And Caleb comes back. And he's like, we can do it. But the other 10 say we can't do it. There's two that came back and reported that says, hey, we can do it. Caleb being one of them. So we see this taking place and and Caleb is here and he's saying, hey, God promised me something. Verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made This promise, even when Israel wandered the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Enoch living there in great walled towns. But the Lord is with me. I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as a portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kiznite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So we see this man called to go scout the promised land there's some things that happen throughout his life that we can just lean in and say man he was consistent and so today I want to ask you three questions that I think daily you should reflect on meditate on have God speak to you about to see if your consistency is lining up with where God wants you to be how God has called you in life so the first question that I want to ask you Is simply this, am I routinely viewing life through a godly lens? Am I routinely viewing life through a godly lens? Now, if you didn't catch what I said earlier, when Caleb goes into the promised land with this man by the name of Joshua, two spies, and then 10 others. Two spies say, yes, we can take that land. Two spies say, we can do it. The other 10 say, we cannot do it. That's important for us to understand. The majority of people will not agree with looking through a godly lens. Are we routinely viewing life through a godly lens? In, in Numbers 13, verse one, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Now, it, it, like, here's, they're going into a new place. They're going into a new region. They're going to have different people they interact with. There's going to be some, some things that question them, that challenge them, where, where they're concerned a little bit about. See, the majority of people would look at, hey, uh, God, the majority of people over here, the, the 10 out of the 12 spies would say, hey, what we see physically, we can't, we can't handle. What we engage, we can't, we can't navigate. See, a lot of times when we're going through life, when we're going through circumstances, it's really easy to kind of follow the majority, right? It's really easy to say, hey, I want to blend in. It's really easy to say, I'm going to be on board with, with everyone around me. It's easy to say, you know what, um, there's some differences. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, come across overbearing. I don't want to be uh, uh, that individual that maybe is kind of on the outside, But see, like, I want to challenge you. Don't lower your standards because the majority is over here. That means if you're looking for a relationship, don't lower your standards because, well, you're not meeting anybody, so you lower your standards. If you're starting a new endeavor, you know, like you got to continue to say, hey, am I viewing this new opportunity that God's given me through the way he wants me to view it, through how God wants me to view it? you got to keep asking yourself, no matter what kind of circumstance, no matter what new event happens in life, am I going to continue to review it and routinely view that situation, that circumstance the way God wants me to? These spies come back and the majority are saying, hey, we can't do this. We can't take over this land. They scare the Israelite nation in Numbers 13, 28. But the people living there are powerful and they are t- their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So they see these giants. We cannot do it. Majority of people don't see the way God wants them to see. Over 80% If we put that, and and this is something we have to capture. If we put that blanket statement right here, these people, the Israelite nation, okay, all are part of God's people. But 80%, the 10 out of 12 spies said, uh, we can't do it. So you start looking around, 80% of us, like if we put that over our church, it's kind of scary to think about to come back with great faith. We see another example this man by the name of Judas. Walked with Jesus for three years. Showed he cared about, was part of the team. What's he do? He betrays Judas, or he betrays Jesus when it's all said and done. Majority of people won't routinely see life situations the way God wants them to see. And it's some question we have to ask. Am I viewing this the way God wants me to view this? And then you have this man by the name of Caleb. He steps up and he speaks to his nation. And he says in Numbers chapter 13, 30, he says, but Caleb tried to quiet the crowd, the people, as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. That was Caleb's thought. We can certainly take the land. See seeing through godly lens really takes three components and Caleb teaches us this first takes faith like sometimes there's going to be giants where your humanity says I can't do it We're going to measure it physically and say, I can't do it. You're going to say there's giants, there's obstacles, I can't do it. But That's why scripture says it takes, we walk by faith, not by sight. The world, the culture, the society we live in will measure everything but why they physically can accept and see and tangibilize. But for followers of Jesus, we're saying, hey, you know what, God, you're in control. You said go, I said Okay. So seeing like God and having that perspective takes faith. It takes boldness. When the majority, the nation is scared, how are you going to stand in your life? Are you going to give in? Are you going to cave? Are you going to be like, hey, it is what it is? And then it takes honesty. You know, it's, it's really hard to be honest Right, we, we live in this cancel culture where if you say something, it might offend people. You post something, it might offend another group of people. You don't really know how you live, and so everybody has these thoughts, and they internalize them, or they share them with only those closest to them. Caleb just walks up, and he tells, Josh was like, remember, I was honest. I gave my full report. Your best friends should be people who can be honest with you. Your best friends should be people that will speak truth with you to help you, you should, in turn, find people you can speak with and you can be completely honest with. Second question is this, that we need to ask ourselves when it comes to our consistency signature is this, am I remembering God's promise? Am I remembering God's promises? God's promised a lot of people through, a lot of us through different areas. Over, there's 7,400 promises that God makes towards his creation, his mankind. But there's a lot of times we struggle with promises that God makes. One, we want those promises to happen on our timetable. Like we want them to happen when we want them to happen. God might have promised us this. God, you said this. Okay, I want it now. That's not really how God works. He doesn't really come to our timetable. We go to his timetable. And secondly, we see there's a lot of negative things in life. And what can happen is we focus on the negative things in life. We get locked into the negative things of life. Psychologists call this a negativity bias. There might be a mountain of good taking place in your life. You might have a great job. You might have a great home, live in a great community, have some awesome friends. But somebody did something to you one time earlier in the week and you think about it all week. And then you're like, oh man, life is terrible. Like we have that propensity to lean that way. And you got to be taking a step back and say, hey, am I remembering God's promises? I did a little calculation that if we remember some of the 7,400 promises uh, or maybe the, there's other promises above that. But if we remember, it'll take us over 20 years if we just focus on one promise a day to reflect on and to meditate on. Two of my biggest promises that i always kind of lean into one comes from romans chapter 8 28 and says for we know that god causes everything to work together for the good of those who love god and are called according to his purposes so god's going to work out what's good in life if it's my character god will iron that out if it's relationships maybe god pulls some people out of that relationship so I say, God, I feel like I'm called God. I love you, God. I'm, I'm pursuing you. You do what you got to do. Because I know at the end of the day, you're going to iron out for what's good. And second thing, like sometimes like, I struggle with like God. Are my needs going to be met? And then I got to come back in my prayer time, in my personal time. In Philippians 4, chapter 19, when, when it's written, it says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from the glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling in here, lean into God's promises because it's in the valley moments that you're gonna to have to step in and say, God, I gotta focus on your promises. I want us to remember this. So, so Caleb is 40 years old when he's commissioned to go into the promised land, to go take over the promised land, to go, to go uh, spy it out. Comes back, reports it. The other 10 spies say, nope, we can't do it. And so then what happens there is God sends his people into the desert land. And you're not going to have great faith. You're not going to trust me. You're going to go back into the desert wilderness. So can you imagine being Caleb? Saying like, here I am, God. Like, I have it figured out. Like, I believe. We can do it. Let's go. And God's like, I'm sorry, but your other counterparts, nope. So you guys are going to go march through the desert. And in that generation, he's going to wipe out that generation And he's only going to leave two individuals, Joshua and Caleb, to inherit the promised land. Like if you're Caleb, you know how mad I would be if I'm walking through that desert land because of some person next to me? I'd be like, boy, I would fight you every day. I'm going to yell at you every day. I'm going to say words under my breath every day about you. And you get real angry. But you know why Caleb... At the end of the day, he could come back and seize his promise, seize his land because he focused on God's promises. Walking through that, hey, that's my land. Moses said that's my land. I'm trusting God for that land. That's my land, Hebron. That's my hill. I'm remaining faithful because of those promises. So you might be in here and you're going through something hard. I would encourage you with Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek God's kingdom. Make that a, a promise you focus on. Make that something you're about. So, routinely ask and see, hey, I'm viewing things how God wants me to view them. Am I remembering his promises? And then thirdly for us today is this. Next question we need to ask ourselves to help us remain consistent is this. Am I thinking about the future? Am I thinking about this future? I love in Joshua 14, chapter 11, it's one of the coolest verses. I'm like, oh yeah, I am as strong, Caleb says. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I still can travel and fight as well as I could then. So you have Caleb recalling, he was 40 years old when he goes in the promised land. He comes back and he's 85 You don't have to raise your hand right now if you're 85, but how many of us 85 in the place you would love to have that 40 year old body back to be like, oh yeah, that's Caleb. He's ready to rock. Caleb's like, I still got it. Some of us who think we hit a certain age and we're done. I'm saying, hey, if you're not dead, you're not done. Like, God still can use you. You can still can have that, that aspect and wisdom you can pour into people. Yeah, you might not be as strong and as toned as you once were. Or maybe you're better at that older age. I don't know. But the point is this. Think about the future means we need to take care of ourselves Physically. I think a lot of time in the church, we we focus on our uh, spiritual aspect of life, which of course we should. Our mental aspect of life, yes, we should. Some of our feelings, absolutely. But also we need to steward what God has given us and that's our body. So that means, hey, what are we consuming on the weekends? Are we engaging in substance abuse? Am I living sexually crazy outside of this wall And then you're, or outside these walls? And, and then you're sitting there and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're torn up, relationships are falling apart, and you're not thinking physically on behalf of yourself for the future of your life. I think a lot of times we overlook the body that God's given us to be stewards of what he's given us. So, I want to encourage you. Thinking about the future is treating yourself well, following God's plan. Thinking about the future is also thinking about the people around you. Thinking about the people around you. When it comes to thinking about the people around you, you know what probably kept Caleb going? He knew that he was doing something for his legacy, he was etching his name in for his family. Those who are around you that, that care about you, that love you, make you think for the future. Look, I'm not talking about being concerned or worried about the future. Jesus speaks clearly in that. But we also need to think about the future. I have the saying in my household, we say, hey, let's get 1% better every day. If we get 1% better, that means we, are, we start tomorrow better than we did yesterday. Get 1% better. Read a book. Go hit a little workout." Go work on asking people to give you some self-evaluation, a 360 view of your life. But we focus on the future, thinking about the people around us. In, in Joshua chapter 14, verse 13, so Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephanu, and gave him Hebron to him as his portion of land. So now he's got a place to live. But then it continues, Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. Hebron still is <laughs> his family's place thinking about the future kept him going it kept him moving forward when we need to ask ourselves am i consistent am i thinking about the future i have this lens that i look through and the lens is very simple Uh, i got three kids um uh, two boys and one girl and uh seven five and and a two-year-old little girl pray for us uh She's uh, trying to escape diapers. (laughs) And so it's been a journey uh, these past few days. And uh, my perspective is simply this. When I think about the future, do I want my kids to engage in the activities that I've engaged in? Do I want my kids to meddle with some of the things that I've ever meddled with? And when you start thinking like that, your perspective changes. Like what you're watching changes. changes. What you're saying changes. Your lifestyle changes. You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the legacy. You're thinking about the little ones that are going to take over your name, take over your your legacy, carry your inheritance. So you got to be willing to think about the future. I'm going to close with this, and there's two groups of people I want to talk to. Those You know life's terribly inconsistent, but we know who makes things consistent, brings peace, gives grace, gives love. His name is Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us. We we are for the gospel. The good news that he came into this manger as an ordinary yet divine individual, goes to the cross so that we wouldn't have to. And then he is heralded as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, because he defeated the cross, that he was raised from the grave, that he conquered sin. And for that, he gives us hope. For that, he gives us love and grace. and, And for that, we celebrate as a church. So maybe you're struggling right now, and life just seems up and down, and you can't find a good baseline. We believe consistency starts with Jesus. And I would love to invite you into that relationship with Jesus. It's when we go in this prayer time and saying, Lord, I want to make you the Lord and Lord of my life, the King of King of my life. I want to admit some of my shortcomings. I want to believe what you've done on the cross. And I just want to believe in everything that you have and what you've said, the promises you've declared. Consistency starts with Jesus. But then there's some of us in this room, the other group I want to talk to is this, like you know that you're called, you're in the game but you just haven't been consistent in what God's asking of you, how to lead your family, how to be a part of your church community, how to be a good coworker, and you're just all over the place. Maybe you just need a renewal and say, Lord, help us to be consistent that when I'm going through a hard time, let me focus on your promises. Every new situation, God, let me lean in and, and let me have your perspective, your lens. Let me think about the future and leave tomorrow thinking about the next day and how I can get better and how I can help those get better around us here in a moment we'll call our prayer team forward but I just want to close our time together in prayer and pray over those two groups of people and encourage you leave here better than the way you came out let's pray church God we give you this time right now we worship you and we praise you first and foremost We're praying for the individuals right now that want to start a relationship with you who's accepting your son jesus christ and what he's done on the cross what he will continue to do lord we pray for a heart transformation we pray for a mind transformation make them new lord right now help them to walk in step with what you've called them to and and what you're moving through may your holy spirit come upon their lives radically change them lord help them to be consistent because they found consistency and that's the true authentic love of you Jesus Lord we also pray for those who are struggling right now to be consistent to be the light you've called them to be to be the good that you've called them to do and and Lord we pray right now that you not that you help them not to be tired but help them to remain fueled and and in your spirit empowered by your spirit Lord help us to be a consistent church that's all about reaching this lost world our lost community of southwest florida god we give you today and in your great and holy name we all say hey thanks for listening today if you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com and if you're able we'd love to have you with us in person on sundays at 9 a.m or 10 45 a.m or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.